Welcome to the Radically Personal Podcast, where the people behind the most beloved brands share how they put the customer at the heart of everything they do. I'm Joseph Ancinelli, CEO of Gladly. On today's episode, I sit down with Frankie Littleford, one of the founders of JetBlue. We talk about how JetBlue's mission to bring humanity back to air travel boils down to how you make people feel. We have always thought of ourselves as a customer service company that just happens to fly airplanes. And how building a great customer support team requires building a great culture. We know how we want to take care of customers, but you have to take a step back and say, if this is how we're going to take care of customers, then it starts with how we take care of our crew members. This is Radically Personal. I have been in the airline industry, so the jet fuel has been in my blood for <laughs> over 30 years. I started at Eastern Airlines and stayed until the very last day. And then I had a couple of other stints, one at Morris Air. Morris was sold to Southwest Airlines. And then David Nealman, our founder and first CEO, asked me about helping him start an airline, which I thought was the craziest idea ever. I think you start like a car lot or like a bagel shop, but I don't (laughs) think you start an airline. You know, one of the things that probably people don't know about you, if you actually call 1-800-JETBLUE, that's your voice. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping maybe we could get just to hear that, that, please. Of course, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, please dial your phones, 1-800-JETBLUE. Thank you for calling JETBLUE. This call may be recorded for quality assurance (laughs) or training purposes. Para Espanol, por favor, marque el número nueve. <laughs> that's pretty good, too. Is that all your Spanish? Right? That's all that's, my that's Spanish that's right it. there. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You, 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 know, you, you, you were there at the very beginning. There is the founding when you know, decided on the name, name of the airline to be JetBlue. You were tasked with figuring out how to build a customer support mm-hmm. team. And, and what, was, you know, what was the thinking in those days? Because you did some things, and this was back in 1999, mm-hmm. that... We're kind of unheard of, right? Actually. So the thinking was really, you know, let's use innovation and technology to really propel us where we want to go. We have always thought of ourselves as a customer service company that just happens to fly airplanes. The customer's always been at the heart of everything that we do at JetBlue, and. I'll share that David's one. You know, one of his first ideas was, "I want 100% work from home." So all of our customer support crew members, I want them to work from home. We had in a previous life at Morris Air had some people who worked from home, but when he said 100%, I thought that was completely crazy. And I thought to myself, "Okay, we'll give this a try. Pretty sure it's not going to work." I was wrong. Hmm. It worked 100%. And I would never have a traditional call center again. So today, for example, how many people approximately and all work from home? Yes. So approximately 2,800 who work full-time from home in two locations, Orlando and Salt Lake. So today, for example, when a new crew member starts, how do you interview for the right set Mm -hmm. of people? But also, how do you get them on board? How do you get them to understand the JetBlue? What's that process like? Sure. So I think, you know, first question, how do we interview and hire for that 
type of person. And it's, we really look for people who like to be around other people or who like to deal with other people, even if it's over the phone. And so we hire for customer service, customer service background, and we'll train the skill set. Obviously, Meaning with a pilot, like, like how to do saber, exactly, uh, booking, flight booking, yes, and that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. pilots are going to come with their certification already. Yeah, like they're um, not a flight plane before. Right. Hire them. that's a good. Yes, sign. Yeah, yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah, but um, I did, you know, I did, the just, other, just in, I did get a chance to fly in the uh, simulator. The simulator, and I took off from JFK. Mm-hmm. I I. Buzz the Statue of Liberty. Nice. And I landed successfully. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I felt That's good about really so, good. So I'm, I'm taking, you know, the flight tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to. Have you? No, I'm just kidding. Have you had flight lessons? Uh, just Microsoft Flight Simulator when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so I think, you know, we hire, we hire those who have previous customer service experience, or you can tell that it's something that they enjoy. We'll train the skill. So you interview for the sort of the cultural values, you train the skill. Okay. So then they get the job, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, you know, they accept. Right. What's that onboarding <laughs> process for them? Is it like, is it is like, do you train that? Like, yeah. How, sure. What, yeah. So the onboarding process, everyone, before they can start their first day in training, mm-hmm. you go through orientation mm-hmm. and orientation takes place either in Orlando or in Salt Lake for every single person who's hired at JetBlue. So not just the support people, like the air, airport operations team, <laughs> pilots, in-flu crew members. Right. Crew members. Revenue management, uh, oh, finance, IT. tech ops, yeah. IT, oh, cool. everyone. And there are probably six or seven uh, modules. And it is senior, it's our senior leadership team who presents. Whether our you know CEO, Robin Hayes, will present and share the brief history of JetBlue. We have another finance module, but these are senior leaders in the company. And really, you know, our message is we want you to see how important you are to us, that it's our senior executives who want to spend time with you and who want to share expectations and also what, you know, what life will be like at JetBlue. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked a lot about is culture. And it's not normally a thing you think about when you're thinking about customer support per se, like people are always talking about handle times and response times. But you have spent a lot of time thinking and talking about the importance and value of culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, JetBlue has an amazing culture overall, but also just thinking about that culture in the customer support team. When you were, when you were in those early days and then to today, what were those key cultural values? How do you imbue them in people? How do you get people onboarded? I mean, to go from zero to twenty eight hundred customer support crew members, there's a big investment mm-hmm. to, to establish that. Maybe share a little bit about sure. that. Sure. You know, as as we were building the airline, putting the airline together, our mission was to bring humanity back to air travel, and we have since evolved. Our mission is to inspire humanity, and. What we've, what we've really recognized and focused on is it starts with your people. It your people, starts the internal, with the JetBlue team. Right, right. the JetBlue team. And, you know, we know how we want to take care of customers. 
but you have to take a step back and say, if this is how we're going to take care of customers, then it starts with how we take care of our crew members and making sure that we provide the right tools, that we empower them. You know, you spend more time at work really than you do with your family. And even if you're working from home, you're still working and you're still focused and dedicated to that career. And so it really did, you know, it really has been, it started out focusing on our crew members and continues to be focusing on our crew members. So, you know, one of the benefits, obviously, in investing in culture is you you really, one of them, what I've witnessed is how much you want to empower the team to do the right thing for your customers. And you, you, you want to share the story about how crew members, what decisions they can and can't make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's a very common thing. We hear this a lot when we meet with companies where they're asking us questions about like, well, how do they get, you know, approvals to do certain things and take care of the customer? Mm-hmm. Really change that model of how you let the customer support crew members decide what to do for your customers. What, 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 what was going on and what was the decision and what did you learn from that? Sure. So one of the things that we do to keep in touch with how our customers, no, I'm sorry, how our crew members feel just about working at JetBlue, we do surveys. And one of the things that seemed to continually bubble up was this feeling of, I'm not empowered to make decisions. And everybody wants to help a customer as quickly as they can. So we really looked at the the empowerment question and asked ourselves, what would happen if we told crew members, you have decision-making authority to help a customer and to provide what they need? up to a certain level. And it really changed how crew members felt about their job, as well as how they felt about the contribution that they were making. And so crew members are able to, using good judgment, keeping the brand in mind and making the right decision, they can waive fees if needed. They can also without getting a manager to approve it, right? Without right. yes. So when you're on the phone, the customer's upset or whatever. They they now can just on the spot decide and say, "Hey, I'm going to do the right thing." Exactly, and it really has changed that relationship between crew members and customers because each of us know that when you are dealing with something where you need some extra assistance, nobody wants to tell their story over and over to right. somebody else up the chain, right? Of, Let me um, get you to my manager and see yeah, if I can approve that. You know, right. Like, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm like stuck in the middle of nowhere and like, or I had a horrible experience and you're going to put me on hold. Right. And now you have to tell your story again right. if they transfer the call. Right. Right. And so just being able to take care of in a one-on-one interaction, nobody else involved, right. get that customer taken care of and on their way. It has done so much for that relationship and really how the crew member feels about the job that they're doing and how the customer feels about the company that they're doing business with. Yeah. One of the things I love about JetBlue is um, you have all of these great plays on blue and jet, jetting edge, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there was this one phrase, which was, which I heard early on in our partnership, blue juice. Mm-hmm. I assume it was some sort of drink concoction that you guys were serving or drink. What's blue juice? Blue juice is that shot of enthusiasm that 
you know, each of us, it doesn't matter where you work, you know, you have highs and you have lows and being with each other and sharing the good and the bad every once in a while, everybody needs a shot of blue juice. Mm. And so whether it's through training, whether it's through interacting with one another, but it's something that I think just helps us stay connected and helps us stay on mission to inspire humanity and to have relationships with each other that, you know, otherwise wouldn't have existed. So, you know, we obviously started working together now. We first met a little over three years ago. When we first met, we talked a lot about wanting to drive more innovation with support. And one of the big things that we shared together as a, as a goal is really this idea of, you know, putting humanity back, bringing humanity back to air travel and inspiring humanity, which starts with this idea about people, which mm-hmm. is such a big part of what we wanted to do from a software standpoint. What's that impact been now that, you know, any crew member today, you know, who's doing customer support lives inside of Gladly where they see who this person is. What, what, what's been the value? Of mm-hmm. that? I think the value has been the relationship is an ongoing relationship. Mm-hmm. If it's a customer, if, if there's a customer who travels with us frequently, you know, and it's not in a creepy way. It's not, oh, we noticed you took your tomatoes off of your salad the last time that you flew. So we're bringing you a salad without tomatoes. Are you recording me? (laughs) I didn't fill out a comment card. But it's more along the lines of, we saw that you emailed, we saw that you had a phone call with us a month ago, and now you're chatting with us via the app. And that crew member being able to inform themselves So that, again, like we said before, the customer's not having to tell their story over and over. And so you really are creating more of a relationship. There is a connection. Time is what none of us have enough of, right? And so to be able to take care of whatever you need to take care of with a company that you're working with and be on your way and feel like you don't have to call back to check up on things or you don't have to text in to, to check up on things. Right. It's hard to put a price on that. Yeah, that's true. One of the other things that we had as a goal together was we like to describe it as this idea of meeting customers wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Now, you obviously are dealing with customers and passengers that are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but engaging with them, obviously, you do it in the airport, you're doing it on the, in, in flight. But, you know, historically, the majority of your support contact had been phone. Right. And... Um, you know, together in our partnership, we've really transformed that to today, 20 to 25% of the daily customer support volume is now happening on messaging, chat, mm-hmm. SMS, et cetera. What's that transformation been like both internally and externally? Mm-hmm. So it's it's been so interesting because I recall maybe 18 months ago to two years ago, attending a leadership conference and the person on stage holding their cell phone up And basically saying, do you all know we are the last generation that will hold our cell phone to our (laughs) ear and talk and talk, right? right? Then asking the question by a show of hands, who doesn't do that with their cell phone any longer? And all these hands shot up in the air. And, and, you know, teachers who used to say, 
Uh, it's not like you're going to be carrying around a calculator in your back pocket all day long. You have to learn math. Well, now we carry a calculator around in our back pocket <laughs> all day long because we have a calculator at the right. tips of our fingers right. with a phone. And I think, you know, the way that it has changed, obviously, the way that we communicate with each other has completely changed. Right. What has been so great to witness is the way that you and I communicate with our loved ones. You can start out a conversation on the phone. You can move to a text. All of a sudden, something's happening in Facebook, and now you're in Facebook Messenger, and then you come back to a text. That is now been provided. We're able to do that with our customers. And I think it's really changing that relationship between companies and customers because, again, it's a single thread of how you're communicating, but it's in a new way as far as how you deal with businesses. Right. Yeah. And sort of thinking about customer support, the first time you and I met, I remember walking into the room and you were at this table and at the front of the table was the JD Power Award for best customer support, mm-hmm. which you've won lots. More than last, a dozen. Yeah, yeah, more than a dozen. Um, who's counting? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you, you obviously have done a great job of customer support. What was driving this decision to work with a new company like Gladly and challenge the status quo? Sure. So the thinking really was we we want to stay ahead of the competition. It's, you know, what business isn't competitive? And we want to make sure that we're offering something new and different that customers want. And in order to stay I think ahead of the curve, it means looking at new products, new services that nobody else is using and doing and taking a chance on, you know, on that. It it reminds me of a story and this is going to sound so funny. A conversation that I had with one of our managers about 10 years ago. And she said to me, you know, Frankie, we need a social media team because Twitter is going to become part of the conversation Mm -hmm. and we're going to have to have an entire team. And I just said, you're crazy. (laughs) I did. I've apologized to her. I bet at least 20 times. What company doesn't have a social media team, right? right? And so I think as you're building a business, as you're continuing to run a business, you, you know, yes, you're running the operation, but you're also also really working on your strategy and how you can leapfrog the competition. And you have to be thinking about those things that sound almost absurd today. But tomorrow, if you haven't pursued them, you're left in the dust. Right. I, I, I like to say to people, you have a choice today when you're thinking about it. You can either choose the thing that everyone's been doing for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. or you can choose the thing that everyone's going to be doing in the next 10. Exactly. You, you obviously did, did the latter. Which yes. We, we feel very we, lucky. To. We we feel very lucky as yeah. well. You know, so the name of the podcast is this idea of radically personal. Is there, is there a, an example or a story of how you have your, your team, the crew members have delivered on this idea of making mm-hmm. something radically personal yes. that you could share? Yeah. I have several of these, but just the one that comes to mind was about a week ago, we had a customer who had been visiting in Orlando, visiting the theme parks, had some candy from Harry Potter World, 
they wanted to know if they could bring Harry Potter candy. And our crew member who was answering knew to ask, are you bringing chocolate frogs or fizzling rocks? And they proceeded to have this conversation about the different kinds of Harry Potter candy. <laughs> and was it, it, it was it a kid or was it an adult? Yeah, they were both adults. Yeah, they were. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, our crew members said the candy will, of course, have to be screened by TSA, but nothing that an invisibility cloak can't help with. Oh, that's great. And, you know, ended it with mischief managed. Oh, that's and great. just it's fun to see crew members interject their personality and make a connection with a customer where those two people would have never been talking about right. anything Harry Potter related in this lifetime. Right. But that conversation provided the platform for them right. to be able to have that opportunity. That's so great. Yeah. That's a good story. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radically Personal. I'm Joseph Ancinelli, CEO of Gladly. We feel so very fortunate to partner with customers like JetBlue and leaders like Frankie. Radically personal customer service is only possible when support teams, or in the case of JetBlue, their crew members, are empowered to use their judgment to address the individual needs of each customer. When this happens, the results take care of themselves. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast on your favorite platform or visit us at radicallypersonal.com. We'll see you next time.